0: This is Because I Said So, parenting advice, with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Rosemond, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved, from American Family Radio, here's your host, John Rosemond. Welcome to the show, it is called Because I Said So, it's a show on parenting and Family Matters. I'm your host, John Roseman, family psychologist, outlier, doesn't believe in psychology, blah, 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 syndicated newspaper columnist. I've said all of this so many times before, folks. If you're listening to the show for the first time, you may you may wonder, blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah, blah. I've, I've said all this before. I don't believe in psychology it's a secular religion that you believe in by faith. But wait a minute, John, you just said you are one. That's right. And therefore, I know what I'm talking about. I've written about 20 books on uh, parenting, family issues, and I travel the country as a public speaker, speaking primarily in churches these days, Christian schools. And glad you've joined the show and hope that this can be of benefit to you and your family. I uh, I, I am uh, constantly amazed at today's parents. I mean, and I don't mean that as an insult. It's just that for all of their good intentions, they keep acting they they act frequently in very very counterproductive ways, very counterproductive ways. And people my age, I'm uh, I'm 120 or it seems like that sometimes. I mean, my health is good and so on and so forth. But uh, I mean, people my age, it, things have changed so dramatically in our lifetimes. I don't think things have changed as dramatically in the lifetime, life, single lifetime of a generation as much as they have changed in the lifetime of my generation. We look at each other, and I mean, people my age, my generation, I'm a baby boomer, and we just wonder, how much worse can it get? And when we're talking about what we see going on in American parenting these days, we just shake our heads, and And that is the question. How much worse? How much more crazy? How much more nonsensical? And I don't mean to be insulting any of you out there who are young parents today, You need to hear this. You know, today, we are a progressive culture. We have no respect for old people. I'm not an old person, but we have no respect for our elders anymore. This is a characteristic of post-modernity and progressivism. And therefore, young people, because this is a prevailing attitude that old people really just don't get it. They're kind of out of it. They're living in the past we are therefore easy to dismiss. We are easy for the younger generation to dismiss. And if you are a member of the younger generation, whatever you call yourselves, a millennial, a Gen Xer, or whatever you are, you need to listen to this. People my age, we raised children. We understand the process, not because we were perfect, because we weren't, But because when you look back on your child-rearing years, it is easy for you to see what you did right, what you did wrong, and it is easy for you, therefore, to understand what today's parents are doing wrong. And they are doing a lot wrong. And it is not their fault that they are doing things, so many things wrong. I have said it before, it is the fault of the mental health professions in America whom American parents have been relying on for advice for 50 years and who have been giving extremely bad advice. So anyway, some time ago, a good friend of mine told me that his five-year-old, in complete disregard of the rules, rode his bicycle off the cul-de-sac on which they live and was found an hour later on the other side of the neighborhood. My friend and his wife told me they were terrified and that all manner of things went through their minds while they were looking for him. They were about to call the police when suddenly they found him. And I asked, what did you do about it? And he said, oh, and... His voice suddenly took on a, you know, kind of a macho, you better not mess with the big guy tone. He said, we took his bike away for the day. Well, I couldn't help it. Uh, It just came out before I could stop it. I'm a guy. I've got ADHD. I'm fairly impulsive sometimes. Uh, It just came out. I went, ooh, (laughs) And my friend looked at me and went, what? And I said, you sure are mean. (laughs) And he said, oh, right. What would you have done, Mr. Parenting Expert? Would you have taken his bike away for a month or something like that? He rejoined sarcastically. And I said, oh, absolutely, for at least two weeks. (laughs) And he looked at me for a moment and he said, you're serious, aren't you? I said, Oh, yeah, I'm dead serious. Here's my prediction. Having been inconvenienced to no significant degree as a result of breaking the rule on riding his bike, your son is going to break the rule again. After all, what's the big deal of a day without your bike? And indeed, I have discovered that he has broken the rules again and again and again and again. You know, on the other hand, let's go back to the situation. If his parents had put the bike up for two weeks to a month, hung it from a hook in the garage, for example, and I mean, you know, two, three months, I hope they'd have said is three months too long. I would, I would have gone. No, no, absolutely not. The purpose of consequences, folks, is to establish a permanent memory. If a consequence does not establish a strong Permanent memory, strong permanent memory, it is worthless. You wasted your energy, you wasted everybody's time, you're back on square one anyway. So, if these parents had come to me and said, okay, you know, he rode his bike off the cul de sac, we found him three hours later at a neighbor's house, the neighbor's, uh, his friend's mom, said that uh, he had told her that he had permission to ride his bike over there when she asked. She didn't check. She didn't know. John, uh, uh, we're thinking of putting his bike up uh, for a while. How long is too long? And I would have said six months, maybe. Six months you've passed the point of diminishing returns. You know, three months is enough. I would absolutely advise at least six weeks to two months, and that's a minimum. If they had done that... Then this little boy would have paid a great price relative to his age for breaking the rule, in which case I would predict he would never have broken the don't ride your bike off the cul de sac rule again. Not ever. Most of today's parents are like my friend. When their kids do something wrong, they tap them on the backs of their hands with wet noodles. Actually, the uh, metaphor analogy that I am more fond of is they try to stop charging elephants with fly swatters. When it comes to corrective discipline, today's parents don't seem to want to upset their children. And ironically, because they will not upset their children with consequences that they use, they will not use consequences that upset their children. In other words, they themselves end up getting upset and yelling things like, how many times have we told you not to ride your bike off the street? Answer me! Answer me! How many times? Then they feel bad for having lost their tempers. Then they apologize, and it's back to square one. You know, it's around and around they go. They use wet noodles. They use fly swatters. The misbehavior keeps occurring because, hey, there's no there's no price to be paid here. You know, what these parents are doing is inconsequential. And so the parents end up getting frustrated. They scream, they yell, they jump all around, uh, you know, like uh, Mexican jumping beans. And uh, then they feel guilty. Then they apologize back to square one and the misbehavior occurs again. If you want a child who has broken a rule to not break the rule again, and by the way, Isn't that in the child's best interest? Yes, it is. It is in a child's best interest that misbehavior be stopped as quickly as possible after it starts, stopped permanently. The research has found that the happiest kids are also the most well-behaved. Then when the violation occurs, levy a punishment that does not fit the crime a punishment that is completely out of proportion to the effect to the offense in question, in that fashion you will make a lasting impression on your child and the infraction in question is unlikely to ever occur again. And by the way, I'm not talking about spanking. Spankings are over with too quickly. That's why I don't recommend them. It's not that I have some problem with swatting a child on the rear end. I really don't. But they're over with too quickly. You know, the pain... Uh, uh, under the the quote worst end quote of circumstances, you know, I'm talking about loving parents here. I'm not talking about people who have set out to really inflict harm abusive people, but the pain of a spanking is gone after five minutes. Folks, in this case, I would have had the parents hang the bicycle by a hook in the garage for six to eight weeks. That is going to make an impression. Outrageous consequences of this sort do not have to be levied often. A handful or one every so often is going to serve as a great preventive of future disciplinary infractions. Your great-grandmother called it nipping it in the bud. So in the final analysis, parents who employ consequences of the no bike for 6 to 8 weeks" sort wind up seldom having to punish. Why? Because their children take them seriously. Therefore, they obey the rules. On the other hand, parents who tap with wet noodles wind up having to tap, 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 tap. Then, because their children don't take them seriously and keep breaking the rules, they scream. Then they feel awful. Then they apologize. And around and around they go. To occasionally, or To constantly tap and be often stressed out, or to be occasionally outrageous with your consequences, and almost always cool as a cucumber? That sounds like a no-brainer to me. Back in a moment. Well, welcome back to the show. I'm glad you've stayed with us, those of you who have. And if you're joining us for the first time, I'm your host, John Roseman. The show is called Because I Said So. And I talk about parenting and family issues on this show. And uh, the first half of the show, I talked about the need when it comes to the necessity of using a consequence in response to a child's misbehavior that you or the parent needs to use big consequences. As I put it, the punishment should never fit the crime. Small crime, huge consequence. Why? So that the small crime does not become a huge crime. Today's parents are in the habit of, and it's a very well-intentioned habit, of using inconsequential consequences And they are doing this primarily because the mental health professional community in America, of which I am a member and therefore know what I'm talking about, has for the last 50 years been recommending inconsequential consequences like timeout. I used to be an advocate of timeout back in the uh, early days of timeout. I, in fact, was the guy through my nationally syndicated newspaper column who uh was responsible for people beginning to believe that the length of timeout in minutes ought to be equivalent to the age of the child in years. So five-year-old child, five minutes of timeout, seven-year-old child, seven minutes of timeout. I was a big advocate of timeout, and it took me a while until perhaps the early to mid eighties to realize that timeout was working with children who were well behaved to begin with, that it wasn't working with children whom I call high misbehavior misbehaviors. They are misbehavior factories. A uh, timeout was not working with those children. And from there, it was a short distance to coming to the realization that the use of small consequences in general was not going to be effective with a child who was a major discipline problem. And so I abandoned recommending timeout rather abruptly at that point and have been talking ever since. Uh, Through my newspaper column books and in my public presentations, of the need to use big consequences, not only with children who are misbehavior factories, but also with children who are generally well behaved. If a generally well behaved child suddenly does something that is outrageous, you use a huge consequence. Your great grandmother called it nipping it in the bud. So here's a big consequence story. My wife and I received, although I answered the call, a phone call from our son Eric's fifth-grade teacher. Now, this would have been back in the early early 1980s, and uh, it was two weeks into the school year. And the fifth-grade teacher informed me that the reason she was calling was because she had justified, I think that's the name, her grade book that day, and had discovered that Eric had not completed one assignment since the beginning of the school year. She checked with the other two fifth grade teachers, and they reported the same. And I said, well, Mrs. So-and-so, this is not a challenge, but what's going on with Eric? Can you explain the problem? And she said, well, Eric is very popular with the other children. He's well-liked, and he's very funny. And he has sort of discovered his personality and discovered his popularity. And he is um, entertaining the class. He is not the class uh, clown. He is not silly. He is the class comedian. Mr. Rosemond, uh, the teacher said, sometimes he even makes me laugh. But he is spending so much time socializing that he's not finishing his work. And he's not doing his homework either because he's not bringing in completed papers. And I said, well, Mrs. Roseman and I will have a conversation with Eric this evening. And she said, oh, I'd like to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. Well, the conversation lasted a minute. We sat down with Eric and we said, Eric, we got this phone call from your teacher. Here's what she said. And he said, well, I can explain Dad, I said, no, I'm not looking for an explanation And I haven't asked you to talk, so just listen to me. You have seven weeks left in the grading period to correct this problem. If you don't correct it, Mom and I are going to get involved. And during the next seven weeks, as has been our policy, we are not going to ask you if you have homework. We're not going to ask what homework you have. We're not going to ask to see it. We're not going to ask to check it. We're not going to check it if you bring it to us. We're not going to answer any homework-related questions. Our policy concerning homework was virtually, with rare exception, completely hands-off, completely hands-off. We told the children early on, having learned our lesson the hard way, your homework is your responsibility. I said to Eric, none of that is going to change for the next seven weeks I expect you to solve this problem. Do you have any questions? He said, no, sir. I said, well, then class dismissed. So like I said, took less than a minute. And I will guarantee you that is not the conversation that his teacher expected from us. His midterm report came out two weeks later. I could see that he was doing nothing to solve the problem. I signed the midterm and handed it back to him without comment. A week before the report cards came out, I called the school, I talked to the head fifth grade teacher, the one I had talked to initially, and I said, in order for Mrs. Roseman and I to to do anything effective about this problem, we need you and the other teachers to please give him the grades he deserves, do not give him charity grades. She assured me that they would. The report card came out, there were three D's on it, one of which, by the way, I am convinced was a charity grade. We called the school, requested a conference, when in the teachers began recommending the homework assignment notebook system which is a uh, another word for enabling uh, it is a uh, an example of enabling masquerading as responsible adult behavior and very diplomatically willie and i said no we are not going to do that but thank you very much for the suggestion we have some aces up our sleeves We scheduled another conference for 30 days a month hence and went home and sat down with Eric and said, Eric, you didn't solve the problem. You had seven weeks to do so. I told you I was going to have to get involved if you didn't solve the problem. And now we're going to the school once a month to discuss a problem that should not have happened in the first place. And so Here's what we've decided to do. We have a conference with your teachers in a month. During this month, nothing will change. We're not going to ask you about homework. We're not going to ask to see it. We're not going to answer homework questions. We're not going to help you with your homework. Your homework is your responsibility. We go to the school in a month. I'm going to sit down and ask, how is Eric doing? Three teachers, Eric, need to say, Eric is doing just fine there is no problem to discuss. Thanks for dropping by. All three teachers have to say that, Eric. There is no problem to discuss. Everything is fine. Eric is doing exactly what he ought to be doing up to personal standards, reasonable standards, and thanks for dropping by. And under those circumstances, three teachers have to say this. If one teacher, Eric, says, well, his attitude's improving, uh, I can see some progress. Nope, wrong answer. If a teacher says, well, he, he seems to be you know, Im- improving, but there's still room for improvement. No, nope, wrong answer. We have to hear the right answer from three teachers, and if we do, you'll be allowed to come out of your room. And he, he nearly leapt out of his chair. He said, what do you mean, come out of my room? And I said, well, you'll be allowed to come out of your room. We're taking all of the good stuff out of your room, slot car racing set, record player, cassette player. Uh, These were the early 80s. And um, uh, unless you're at school or at church, you're in your room. Uh, You wake up in the morning, you do your chores, you eat breakfast with family, go to school, socialize as much as you can there, Eric, because that's the only place you'll be seeing other children outside of our direct supervision. Come home, do your chores, go to your room. You can come out of your room to eat meals with family, use the bathroom, do chores, and go places with us if we can't find a babysitter. And through the week, your bedtime is now 7 o'clock, whether your homework is done or not. And I'm not going to check to see what you're doing in your room. On weekends, you wake up in the morning, do your chores, have breakfast with the family, go back to your room. You can come out to eat meals with us, use the bathroom, do chores, and go places with us if we can't find a babysitter. And if there's no school the next day, your bedtime is still seven o'clock. And this is the way it's going to be for a month. At the end of a month, if one teacher gives us the wrong answer, we're doing this for another month. And Eric, you have seven years left to live with us. And if you decide to stay in your room for seven years, you'll be solving three problems for your mother and me. Problem number one, we will never have to worry about where you are or who you're with. Number two, we will not, when you are 16 years old, even discuss the C word. And problem number three you'll be solving for us is we won't have to pay for college because I am not paying for college for someone who can't figure out how to get out of his room. And 30 days later, we went to the school and folks, believe me, we stuck to it for 30 days. He went to bed at seven o'clock. He was in his room except for eating meals with us, using the bathroom, doing chores. And we gave him a lot of chores. He already had a lot, but we gave him a lot more. I mean, he asked for it to get out of his room and to go places with us if we couldn't find a babysitter. Went back to the school in a month, sat down with three teachers and said, how's Eric doing? And all three teachers said, wow, we've never seen such a radical change in a child overnight. Why, the day after our last meeting, he was a totally changed child. Basically, there is no problem to discuss. Thanks for dropping by and... Folks, this is the way to stop a problem dead in its tracks. You use a huge consequence. More on this in upcoming shows. Thanks for joining us. Because I said so, every Saturday, 5 o'clock Central American Family Radio. Have a good night.